Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Night with Bands. It is July at this point, a podcast that started in March. Uh, I didn't think I'd make it this far, and I did, so I proved myself something there. And the fact that people are still listening and people want to come on the show, it's amazing. And today, I'm very happy to have one of my oldest friends in the music scene, uh, Mr. Dan Sheehan, who is, I think to this day, still probably my heavy style, my favorite heavy style vocalist that I've ever had the fortune to meet, and I will I will die on that hill, so I'm ready to fight everybody. Um, but Dan fronts Ghost Chant, a familiar band to the show. Um, we had Mike, who plays guitar in Ghost Chant, who's also in a band called Jealous Mind, and was went on the show. And today, I, I want to get Dan on, because we just did a wonderful show together in Poughkeepsie, new venue, shout out Reason and Ruckus, um, and went super well and i think it's been a long time coming that we get you on here dan so why don't, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and let us know more about you oh all right uh balls in my court now where do i go uh yeah so i dan i do vocals and ghost chant um been doing this whole music thing for far longer than i'd like to remember and been in more bad bands than good ones as as we do uh, but yeah, man, no, I appreciate you having me on and everything, and, and the show was fucking awesome. That was such a cool place, and and uh, I appreciate you you guys asking us to come and, and play and everything else. It was definitely one of the, the better shows we've played in the past year, and that that's, it was huge. <laughs> Home shows are, all, are, are always great. A hundred percent, and it, I was, it's, I've, I've been trying to do it for a while, because Mike and I tra- talk so periodically, because... We do we do a lot of stuff with was and when you know whether he's like opening or something we're always kind of doing something with him and I've been saying to him for a while I was like I want to do something with Ghost Chant I was like come on we're both Poughkeepsie boys so like we need to right. we need to get something going here stars just yeah stars just never like aligned perfectly and it's like every time it's like whenever we want to do something it's it, it almost happened this time too dude like the, the the venue issue we ran into and like it almost happened again where we didn't get the chance to do it exactly I mean. It, no pun intended. We didn't. We didn't get the chance, and uh, you know. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I it worked out because uh, Reason and Ruckus. If you're in Poughkeepsie, a wonderful bar to check out. Um, they have they have an awesome spot in the back. I went over. I asked them if they'd be interested, and we were able to move there. And it was it was a killer time, killer night. I mean, we both been around the scene for a long time, and there were faces out there that I hadn't seen out in a very long time. Oh, dude, for sure. I, I'd, I'd seen people that I probably hadn't seen in five, six years at, at least. And then, I mean, not only that, it was like being around here as long as we have, like we've seen venues come and go. Like we've seen spots open up and last six months, do a handful of shows, kill it and then disappear. And it's like um, having a spot that was not only super welcoming to the idea of doing it, but also is like actively like, no, we want to do more. Like we don't want to just do here and there. Like if you, like, like, just send people our way because we want to keep doing this. It's, it's huge. It's great because those are few and far between now. It's, it's kind of crazy. 100%. And I think I, I think that's the hardest thing that any band will run to a venue is finding a venue that doesn't look at you as just another band through the door, but actually wants the bands through, wants to be a place for bands to come to. It's it's, it's a rare find. It's just to find a place that does that. It's just really amazing. So. Yeah, it's massively refreshing. But I want to learn more about Ghost Chant. I know a lot about Ghost Chant, but the people listening yeah. might not know a lot about Ghost Chant. And I'd like for them to know Ghost Chant. For sure. Um, so, so Ghost Chant is a um, it's a melodic hardcore band. We started uh, about five and a half years ago at this point, going on six. Um, it started with Mike, Matt, and I. We were in a previous band together for a little while. And when that band ended, um, literally... January 1st of the, the following year, we were like, we should just do another band. 
Um, we were looking to find some members. Uh, Matt knew uh, his buddy Luke from up in the Albany area. I knew Gus. Um, and we kind of brought us all in together. We really at first didn't know what we wanted to do sonically. Like we were kind of all over the place. Um, but then like we really started focusing on what it was that we wanted to do and how we can do it the best we can do it. So like there were trial and errors. I mean, there's great, there's some songs that we've written that are like some of my favorite things I've ever done in my entire life. And then there's some songs we've written that I'm like, well, great that we didn't release that because it doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and I think that's like one of the beautiful things about being in a band is you're not like tied to one specific thing. You could do whatever the fuck you want to do, man. Like, um, it's just, as long as it stays true to who you are as a band. So like we say, you know, ghost chance and a lot of hardcore band because, you know, we have our heavier moments. We have our faster moments. We're extremely punk influenced. Um, like I grew up, I grew up on descendants and, and like rancid and, the clash and the misfits and things like that. Like I grew up on that. And, um, and like Matt, Matt grew up on like the earlier pop punk days, like way back in the day, like, and local stuff too, like just surrender and stuff like that were like big influences. So, and Gus is like a, the metal head, you know what I mean? My yeah. dude loves all things, seven strings and heavy. So like, you know, it was kind of, we found this weird way of blending it all together and it's just, it is inherently just us. Um, like we've gotten comparisons before and that's great. That's awesome. I love that. Compare. That's great. I have yet to pinpoint what I think that, <laughs> that we are. Yeah. So we just go where melodic art, man. <laughs> like that's it. Simple as that. Dude, like I, I love hearing that too, because that was really kind of when we started doing what makes sense, like that was another side to the name of what makes sense. Is like we're just gonna do what we feel like makes sense to do. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that a lot of bands struggle with because a lot of them come in and are like well if we want to be like this band we need to be like this band and right. i think a lot of bands lose their individuality that way oh for sure they, they run into like this identity crisis almost where it's like you know with music specifically especially music nowadays and, and how frequent new stuff comes out and how hard it is to stay relevant in it that it's like you know, when you're writing, uh, let's say you're writing three songs for a little EP you're going to put out and such and such just released a new album and you're heavily influenced by it. Well, by the time that record comes out and you're ready to finally play that those shows with those songs, you probably haven't listened to that record in six months because you're moved on to the next thing. So the next thing you're going to write is going to sound completely different. Right. So it's like growth is never a bad thing. I mean, I look, look at a band like Brand New. Right. Brand new's first record was as pure pop punk as you can get in terms of like classic, like older pop punk. And then they came out with Deja and Deja was on the border, but it was getting a little darker. And then it was like Devil and God, which was like, okay, where'd the pop punk go? Now it's more the darker. And then it was Daisy. And now it's like science fiction. It's they're just a completely different band because they grew. hundred percent. And I, two, two wonderful examples I see of exactly that were like none of their albums sound well actually three bands where they don't really sound the same but they sonically all go together from like an older perspective like the wonder years like every album's like somewhat different but they can all mesh sure. together and then um trophy eyes uh they just put out that new album that's i don't know if you listen to it suicide and sunshine's amazing no i haven't heard it yet but it's such it, it's actually if, i don't know if you know trophy eyes or anybody knows trophy eyes but it's yeah. a perfect marriage of like where they started as a hardcore band Mm-hmm. Where they moved to with more of like that poppy style into like now almost like post hardcore uh, grungy almost, 
And then, That's it. and then the same deal with Young Culture. Like every Young Culture album comes out, and like there's always something a little different. I mean, they have Whiskey, which is like a country song. They got yep. got they got the album Godspeed, where I don't remember the exact name of the song, but it's like all like you know almost like trap beats in the background, right? Straight pop rock, you know, straight punk uh, pop punk, like uh, just. And I think right. not enough bands are willing to take those kinds of risks. Like you guys just did it too with um, your newest song there. Uh, I know every, oh, I know everything. Yeah. You know, here you guys are a melodic hardcore band where you predominantly scream the entire time. And you know, the first portion of the song, you're singing clean, and it's amazing, and it's different, and everyone's gonna be like, "Holy shit, this is cool!" Yeah, the whole whole chorus, first time we've ever done first verse and for and like full chorus, just singing essentially. Like, and it was it was cool. Like we. When we, when we got the demo of the song, we were like, is this going to work with what we're doing? And then we kind of thought about it and we were like, who cares? Like this, we like it. And and that's the thing, like you were saying, like with like Young Culture, how they have like the different variances of style. Like the beautiful thing about music now, no one band could be described as one thing anymore, right? Like Turnstile bent the, the hardcore genre. They just yeah. bent it. You yeah. know what I mean? They said, no, we're still a, kind of hardcore band but like here's we're gonna make hardcore poppier in like a, a super sick way and like um you know you got a band like thrice like thrice had the artist in the ambulance and then they were like yeah we're gonna do the alchemy index we're gonna do three albums that are just all over the fucking place because this is what we're doing now and like the fact that music and being in a band now like that you don't have to prescribe to a label is amazing it, it's it's awesome because there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to like you guys did the comeback kid cover yeah. Like, like what makes sense as a pop punk band through and through you guys are a pop punk band. And you said like, we're going to switch it up and we're going to do a comeback and cover. Cause why not? How far off are they really? And we had so many kids come out. was like, you should keep that in your set. Yeah, dude. Like it's fun, man. Like throwing a cover out of nowhere to me is so fun. Like I understand like some bands get to a certain point where like, they just don't want to do that. That's not who they want to be. They don't want to be the band that does the cover. But like, like at the end of the day, as, as a, as an artist, as an entertainer, like as a musician, it's the entertainment business, yes. right? Yes, dude, I love you. It's it's the enter. What we do is entertainment. We write music for ourselves, right? We write music for us. It's it's therapeutic. It's soothing. It's the the human creativity in us, like the you know the the desire and the drive to just reach and grab whatever we can and pull it in close and hold it, right? That's that's what it is. But at the end of the day, when it comes to when you get past the writing process and you get past the recording process, the recording process is when you start to run into the entertainment side of it, where it's like, we want it to sound good. We want these things to sound clean and, and well done. But once you get to the live aspect of it, people paid money to see you. I'm not like, when was the last time you went to a free movie at the movie? You're not going to go see Oppenheimer for free. Yeah. You're paying for the entertainment. So Go out there and be entertaining, be fun, be bouncy, jump around, have a good time. If people are having a good time, who cares? Exactly. And I, I, I argue that all the time. Like musicians forget they're entertainers all the time. All the time. And if us going out and, you know, in the middle of our set, throwing in a random comeback kid cover gets you to go home buy our listen to our music it gets you to go buy a cd it gets you to go buy a shirt then i did my job at the end of the day i entertained you and i got what i wanted you're checking out my music but it, not only that like if if you stood in the back of the show the whole time because you didn't know the music you don't know the bands you're checking them out and then one band plays a song you know and you got so hyped about hearing the song you know that you got involved 
Yeah. Like now you're a part of it, man. Like that's the beautiful thing about playing shows. It's so much bigger than just, we need to hit every note perfectly. We need to make sure we are on time with everything. Like all that's great. And that's, you should strive for it. But I would sacrifice sounding perfect every single night to have everyone in the room be involved and happy and having a good time. Cause like, that's ultimately my goal. I want you to have a good time when you come see us. Like yeah. some kids mosh, some kids mosh hard, some kids throw down, some kids push pit. That's all good, man. Have fun. Yep. I don't care. I'm not here to judge you. You're not judging me. Like this is a safe space. Like it should yeah. be. And you know what? Cause you just gave me like a really cool segue for this. If you don't like it, you can call up Lacuna and forget about it. <laughs> you can just get it erased. You can just man. get it straight erased, and we'll all get mailed letters to let us know that you didn't like our show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Please don't ever bring it up. <laughs> yeah. That's the beautiful thing about it, man. That movie is I, – I love Eternal Sunshine so much, man. I, I'm excited to talk about this because I have to say this is one of the movies. It took me a long time to watch just because sure. there's never sat down and did it. And when I finally did – there was a lot of hype behind it already, and I watched it, mm-hmm. and I was like trying to keep that out of my head, you know, because I'm like, if I if I let every if I let the fact that everybody hyped it up to me get in the way, I'm gonna judge it harder than I should. So I kept a good oh, chunk sure. of that out of the way, and I was very happy that I did, because I watched it, and I have to say, before I let you kind of jump in and take over, sure. I think the thing that I truly loved about this movie was how you took Kate Winslet, who is like you know at this point she's done titanic she's won academy awards she's known for being like this like really good theatrical drama actor and you made her the zany one against against jim carrey and you made him this like serious and it's fucking mind-blowing and and i think that alone i mean and we look at you know it it was up she was up for academy award for best actress best original screenplay like there's a lot going on in an indie movie just because of something as simple as that and yeah on that segue, I'll let you jump in and you know talk a little bit more about the movie in general. For sure. So the big thing with with that movie, like what I love the most about it is they, if you really look at the cast as a whole, it's a huge list of names, and it is a, it's an indie movie. Like Michael Gondry directed it. He wrote and directed it, right? Like that's the dude who did Be Kind Rewind, which is Jack Black and most F. Like you know what I mean? He did yeah. The Science of Sleep, which I doubt anybody's really seen, and that's a beautiful movie, right? So he's got this kind of crazy warped way of, of looking at things. So he took these big actors, like he, it's, you got Kate Winslet, you've got Jim Carrey, you've got Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Wood, like all these actors are in there. And the crazy part is Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood are like so side characterish. They're not even really main focuses of the movie at all. It's literally just Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Oh yeah. But what I, what I love about it is the whole movie is in my head, like this giant existential crisis and like how we react to the events around us. Right. Like your E plus R equals O, right. Your event plus your reaction to it equals your outcome. Right. So like the whole thought process behind it is you open the movie and it's the end of the movie actually. So it's almost memento ish. And like, you know, he go, he did bails on going to work. He like leaves, doesn't know why. He takes a train to Montauk. There's this girl on the beach. They run into each other on the train. They talk for a little bit. They have a drink later that night. They talk the next day, this whole thing. And then it like cuts to him crying in the car. Yep. And it's, it's like, that's that's, the intro. That's the intro to the movie. And it's like, what the hell just happened? 
but in reality like where the movie actually starts is right when he's crying in the car because it's when he's realizing like she is erasing him like he she's being their relationship got to a point where it just wasn't working so much so that she chose to erase him from her memory and then out of spite because that's what we do when we're emotionally reacting to things he said well if you're gonna erase me i'm gonna fucking erase you and he does it and once they start the process and he starts reliving these beautiful memories because it's not just erasing the bad memories it's erasing the good ones too and all the reasons why you stay with somebody that in this world that he's in his brain while he's asleep and they're erasing things he's fighting to keep it her so like he's moving into these he's trying to hide her in memories they didn't know about so he disappears and they're like where the fuck did he go how did he get to this memory and why is she there and they're trying to like erase her because that's the process that's what it is and at the end of it um you know they he it's the first time they met and she you know he's like we shouldn't be here they break into a house or whatever and nobody's there but she's like he's like we shouldn't be here and she's like so go and he like walks out the door and she's like he's like i'm leaving like this is the end of it now like this is the memory i left and she's like well can we at least have a proper goodbye and like he goes back into the house to fight for the memory and she whispers in his ear meet me in montauk and then it cuts to him you know then it's the process of the whole thing and he wakes up and why does he go to montauk because the last memory he had of the woman he loved was to meet him in montauk it's this little whisper in the back of his head this that little nagging thing that we all have that talks to us and um, and he goes out there and he finds her and then it recycles the, the beginning again. And at the end of it, it's great. Like, you know, she's like, you're going to find things that you hate about me. You're going to get tired of me and I'm going to get bored of you. And like, I'm going to resent you for it. And, and, you know, like this isn't going to work. And he's like, okay, like, okay. So you resent me. I, I don't want to lose this. I don't care because all the great things, like all the things that I felt being around you again for the first time are so worth going through all the things I already know that I've tried to get rid of because I know they're worth having in the long run. It's just such a beautifully well-written movie about fighting for the things that you lose. But the reason why you're losing it is, is because your emotional reaction to it. Right. And like, we're just emotional people. The way it looks at relationships in general is amazing. Because you have, uh, what's her name? Jamie Adams and David Cross, who are, like, side characters there, yes. too. And they have, like, this, like, super volatile relationship with each yes. other. But yet they're married and living together. And then yeah. you look at, uh, what's his face there? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, and Kirsten Dunst. And Kirsten Dunst. They have, a, yeah. they, have a, they have a good relationship going on. And then you find out in the end... That you know Tom Wilkinson, who I I did get a little kick. Oh, Tom Wilkinson, yeah. The moment I saw Tom Wilkinson, I'm like, man, I know he's bad because it's Tom Wilkinson, but yeah, he's always a bad guy. Like yeah. Rush Hour, you know, he's gonna every be bad. time, dude. So, and then you find out that like he has put Kirsten Dunst just a few times because they keep falling into an affair and this and that. And then like Elijah Wood, you have Elijah Wood in his, you know, how he's like manipulating Kate Winslet's character because of what he knows, right? And it really like looks beautifully at every side of good bad and terrible relationships and you see 100%. finally you see finally in the end that kate winslet and jim Carrey's relationship even with its flaws was a good relationship and so like in the end when they decide you know oh like this is what happened let's try again right it's almost beautiful and poetic in a way because they're decided that like with everything we've learned everything we've gone through and like now knowing what went wrong the first time i want to be with you i want to fix it i want to do the work 
Right. Well, that's the beautiful thing. It's like you, a lot of the times you don't really get a second chance, right? Yeah. So it's like it's looking at, like you said, relationships from a whole bunch of different angles. It's like Mark Ruffalo's character is in love with Kirsten Dunn's character. But Kirsten Dunn's character is in love with Tom Wilkinson because they keep having these affairs. And Elijah Wood's like the manipulative person. And it, and like Kate Winslet's fragile. Like she's a very fragile person. And like she needs somebody like Jim Carrey's character, which again, like you, you touched on it before, like in a crazy way that they mix it up, they took Jim Carrey, the zany comedy guy, and made him the very serious role. And they took Kate Winslet, this like theater background drama actress, and turned her into this like, manic kind of like quirky character and this is like 2004 so like this is post titanic like she's 100%. won she's won academy awards for acting at this point oh yeah and i think this is before i, I could be wrong I'll, I'll have to look at it but i think this is before jim carrey then did the number 23 i think this was like the first more serious role he did and then he did the number 23 which was like the thriller yep and they did the majestic was like the, the last majestic one. yep I think his first like foray into a semi dramatic, less zany role, I think is probably gonna be the Truman Show, which is I think that was ninety six. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think too, I think Gondry was saying that when he picked him like for this role, he even still wasn't like the first choice. But what sold him on Carrie doing it was um was the Truman Show. It was like if he can take some of this and like make it even more like dramatic than funny. Oh yeah. He'd be perfect, and he does. I, I you can't really imagine somebody else in either of those roles, which is no. amazing. Well, that's that's exactly it. It it is it's crazy when you see somebody who is so rooted in comedy, then be able to show how diverse they are. Like take Adam Sandler and Rain on like Rain on Me or Spanglish or Punch or Drunk Love. Punch Drunk yeah. Love, dude. Yeah, like he was he's so rooted as Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, you know, um, and then he was like, I'm going to do these more serious roles because I, I want to do them. I want to see what it's like. And I want to see if I can do well. And like, I love Punch Drunk Love. I think it's great. But like, I was so torn in picking a movie for tonight. Uh, Cause like, I was like, what am I going to do? Cause I had two immediately in mind. I was like, I think I'm going to do Eternal Sunshine because I love that movie. Um, I love just the, cause the other choice, so I would have done Big Fish. That's right? a good one too, yeah. I, it, great movie but like i really there's nothing crazy about that movie outside of it's just such a well-written adaptation of a very short book um but i also like i well i'll throw this out there for everybody i'm sure they'll hate me for it you'll probably get some i'll get some slack for it but fucking tim burton's terrible i don't care i like, <laughs> sweeney todd's cool and like that's about it um but like he did big fish just throwing that out there um which is like not his style at all because it's very bright and colorful but then yeah. again i guess where scissor hands was too um but anyway, sorry. So Eternal Sunshine, like the reason, the main reason why I picked it was because of how much as a writer, right? Like, cause I get super influenced by the things I see and I observe and stuff like that. Um, like generally 90% of the time, I never really write about myself. I write about what I see, like the people around me or the people that I know who are going through things who don't have the same outlet I have. And like, for me, music was always therapeutic in a way that it like, it was so healing. Um, and like hearing a song and some lyrics or a line from a song that stood out to me so much that helped me through a hard time makes the way I want to write for other people the same way. So like with Eternal Sunshine, like I, I actually have a lyric in one of our songs that is almost directly from the movie. Um, I have a line, it's, 
uh, it's from an old, it's not from Koshan, it's from an old band, but it's, it's what a loss to spend so much time with someone only to find out you don't know them at all. It, Eternal Sunshine, he says, you know, what a loss to spend so much time with someone, you know, only to find out or only to realize you don't even know them or like you, you never knew them. And it's like, that's such a powerful thing to think about when it comes to like looking back on past relationships or even friendships as a whole. It doesn't even have to be like boy, girl, boy, boy, girl, girl, whatever, like identities and things like that. It's like a family even, you know what I mean? It's preaching up the, preaching up the right tree there. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, 100%, like right there with you. Like, you know, it, it just has a lot to do with how we invest our time. Ultimately, time is the most valuable resource we have in the entire world. You never get any more of it and you never know when you're out. It's just you float in this this universe of never really knowing when your time is up. So it's painful to look back on things and think how much time you might have wasted. But you never want to look at it as wasted time because ultimately, like, it got you where you are and it's getting you where you're going. But it's just one of those things. It's like time is so valuable. And that's what the movie's about. It's about your erasing time. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it does a lot for me. Well, it's, it's funny. It's almost, I like how this is kind of going more of like a therapeutic route here too because it, I think a lot of people could use this because everybody's gone through a failed relationship like you said, whether it be a significant other, a friendship, a friendship, a family. Like I like I, I read a lot about, you know, failed failed relationships with family members is a lot of what our songs are based, about, right. based around. And I've had people come up to me and say, your song helped me through my last breakup. Your song helped me through my divorce. Your song helped me through losing a really close friend. That's not what it was for me. That's what it was for them. But in terms of this movie, and it's kind of what you're saying, if you can look at other people when you're writing, what comes out is almost better than if you just sat back and wrote about yourself. Oh, yeah. For me, that really started when I started writing Rear Window. I was like, cool, I want to try something different. You know, I want to, I want to write something that's not about me. I started writing just... I watched Rear Window, and I started writing about uh grace kelly watching uh james stewart lose yeah. his mind to the neighbor's yard i'm like oh what's going through her head you know and yeah. like all of a sudden i wrote this song about not letting life pass you by and it came from getting outside of my own head but also taking from my own experience and i think when you get to a movie like this that's kind of the message is like you take what you know you take what you have but look at what's going on around you and like all of the things that went wrong around Jim Carrey in this movie made him look back at his at, at Kate Winslet at these memories he's trying to relate erase and realize I don't want to well that's exactly it it's it's you know it's almost the human condition is you know you could have five straight days of just great days but that sixth day could be such a terrible day that you look back on the week and go that was a fucking terrible week and it's like it's it's just ingrained in us to like just latch on to the negative and it sucks but it's one of those things like as people we try to grow and be better with so that's really what it is in the movie is like he looked at her racing him and he looked at their relationship and how it was falling apart as such a negative thing until he started to see all those great memories them running and playing in the snow um when they're sitting in the car outside of a, of, of a drive-in theater and they don't have the radio on they're making up their own storyline to it and it's one of those things that's like those beautiful little moments are so much, they, they hold so much more weight and value in the world than a simple argument or a fight or something you don't like about somebody. Um, or even like when people grow apart, like as somebody who's like, as somebody who's in the middle of going through the ending of a 10 year relationship that had a marriage involved, right? Like, you know, I'm going through it right now. So 
looking back on all the things with with her, like I wouldn't erase any of it, any of it, not a single thing. Because even through the hard times, there were some amazing times, and those those little things hold so much more value. You know, it's like tackling your big rocks and letting the little rocks fill in around it. So, like, what are your big rocks in life? What do you value most? Because that's what you want to put your your most into, and then the little other things will fill in the cracks. The other thing too is our memories are what make us human. They're what help us grow. They're what create wisdom. You know, I tell people all the time, I'll make a mistake. I'll make a lot of mistakes, but I'll never make the same one twice because I learned from it. And that's not to say that like, I'm sure there's people who be like, well, I've seen you do this same thing multiple times. And I'm like, yeah, because I didn't learn my lesson yet. But you learn, and especially when you get into relationships, <clears throat> you learn relatively quick. And what usually keeps you back around a relationship is th that decision is this the relate? Do I want this relationship? Do I want to fix this relationship? Do I want this in my life? And it's those three questions right there that you ask yourself and then you base them around what you know, your memories, what you know, the good, the bad. And that's when you decide, do I want to be with this person? Do I want this person not with my life? And I think it's a very healthy thing to decide, no, we shouldn't be together anymore. Or For sure. Yeah, we should work on this because in terms, you're not only learning about that other person, you're learning more about yourself too. And it can only, it's, it's only good to learn things about yourself because you can only grow. And right. where something like what they're going through in this movie here, where they're just trying to erase everything. I mean, if you could just erase everything, nobody would learn anything. And we would make the same mistake over and over like Kirsten Dunst and Tom Wilkinson. They kept making that same mistake. They kept having that same affair. Granted, Tom Wilkinson was just evil, but Kirsten Dunst kept making, <laughs> Tom Wilkinson because he's Tom Wilkinson. He's always bad. Yeah. But she kept making that same mistake because it was at that point it was nature. Yeah. I think that's why it's important to to even through the ending of relationships to look at the positives that you learned in them instead of sitting back and saying, Fuck this person, they destroyed my life. And it's not to say that there's not people out there who didn't fuck up other people's lives at the end of the Oh, for sure. But in a lot of cases, it just you just reach a point where you're not good for each other anymore. Absolutely. And like, like you said, you nailed it right in the head with like Kirsten Dunst, right? She never had the opportunity to learn that lesson, to turn those memories and that experience into um, a lesson for her to be like, I'm never going to do this again. It became habitual. It just became, I, if I'm never learning from the mistake, I'm going to keep making the same mistake. So that's exactly what it is. It's like, it's taking life as it comes and then allowing yourself to be vulnerable and make a mistake or maybe not even a mistake, but to just have that experience that ends in growth is so huge, man. Like you really only get like, like, I hate that YOLO became a thing, you know what I mean? But because it's true, you, you only live once in this life, right? You know, um, and you got to make the most of it. And, you know, maybe in that aspect, they're talking about partying and whatever, but like for people, um, in, from all walks, man, like it really just comes down to taking each day as a new day and, and treating every every experience you have and every interaction with people precious, man. Like you never know when the last time you're going to say goodbye to something. Dude, I hug everybody before I leave. Everybody. Like, you know, the, the guys in the band, and like when we end with practice, like half the time, like we're like, all right, man, I love you. See you later. Like, because you just never know. Um, so, and, you know, that's what makes the beauty of memories and things like that is so important, but also like how you live every day is, is massive. Yeah. Well, you kind of jumped ahead of me a little bit here too, because I got the idea of how it affected your life. 
Right. And it affected your music. Outside of both being, by the way, I did want to mention this before we move on. I fucking love Bayside. <laughs> and so when I was watching this, I was like, oh my God, I am excited. Because like, all I could think the entire time was like uh, Bayside. So I love yeah. that. But um, what made this your favorite movie? It's, it's kind of crazy. So what's what's really funny is, um, as odd as it is, is the first time I saw this movie, um, I had really started, <laughs> I got I to gotta look it up. Uh, while I'm discussing this. So the first time I saw the movie, because it came out in like 04, I believe. That is correct, um, yep. And then I want to say the this album came out in 05, yeah. So I had never seen the movie, but I had listened to Juturna from Circus Survive, right? And Wish Resigned is, is part of a quote from the movie. Um, and Meet Me in Montauk is from the movie. And like, you can kind of hear it so much. And I like, wanted to see how much of that movie influenced Anthony Green and the writing of that album. And it's there, you see it, but also like, I'm a, I like kind of indie films. Like I'm really big on um, like Lost in Translation and um, and like the nines, like things like that. Like I love those, you don't really know what, what kind of movies they are, but I knew the cast and everything like that. And it was getting praise and hype and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, but I, I love a movie that makes you feel something. Like, I love a movie that makes you feel something. If, if anybody's out there and you're looking for a movie that will absolutely just destroy your insides, watch Blue Valentine. It'll crush you. Like, you've seen it, right? Uh, I've seen it for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those movies you watch it once. You never watch it again because you can't. It, it just crushes you. But I love a movie that makes you feel something. But I also just love great cinematography. Um, and, like, Michael Gondry's always been kind of quirky and weird. In his in his way, it's like the same thing with Wes Anderson. Like they have very specific styles. Um, but I think what really stood out to me for the movie really was the emotion you feel throughout it. Because in the beginning, you're like, "Oh, this is kind of cute," and then you feel the spite where you're like, "Wow, okay." Like, like the first memory he's erasing is the last night they were together when she got drunk, drove his car, and crashed into a fire hydrant, and he's like, you know she's like you know you're just upset because you think you're trying to figure out whether or not i slept with someone tonight and he's just like he's like no i assumed you fucked someone tonight isn't that how you get people to like you and it's like damn dude that's so fucking spiteful but we've all felt that at some point right we've all thought like i just want to dig the knife in and twist it and hurt somebody right because they're hurting you um but like it's it's a roller coaster, man, because you start to see and feel so bad for Jim Carrey because he's fighting so hard for something, and like that kind of message in, in anything is huge to just keep fighting for things. Um, but also, I just I love the whole feel of the movie. I think it was just shot so insanely well. The cuts that were super, they're super quick. All of a sudden, there's sand everywhere. Um, but uh, it, it's just it's got so many great lines throughout the movie that are just great. And I, like I said, they, it's one of the few movies where you have all these big name actors in it, but they feel like real characters. Right. They feel like real people. They were written so well and portrayed so well. Like you said, like David Cross, right? Like he's like kind of this prick, but you're like, yeah, I'm sure this dude exists in the fucking world right now. And like somebody vulnerable like Joel and 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 kind of manic like um like clementine like those characters are out there they're out there they're real people so it's just it's just crazy i, I love the, the whole feeling of the movie that's really what stands out for me yeah no that's that's amazing and i i really like that explanation too it's nice to feel things when you see movies because 
you know, and I talked about this before too. Like, not every movie has to be an Academy Award winner to be your favorite movie. You know, no. not every movie has to be a think piece. Not every movie has to be a zany cartoon or this and that. It just has to be something that you dig into and that you feel something and really does something to make you relate to the movie. For sure. And whether it be a comforting thing, whether whether it be an experience you've gone through, whether it be something you agree with, something funny, something this. There's always something in a movie for somebody, and this movie, as you just explained, like you, you liked the way it feels, you liked the way it looks. That was your thing, and I love hearing yeah. that. I also love that the reason you went to it was because of music. You know, you loved Circus Survive so much, and it went and made you check out this movie. And I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was actually out, and my friends like, make sure you talk about Anthony Green. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's but again goes back to something I've always said. It, it did the opposite this time around usually people go listen to music because of a movie he went and watched a movie because of the music and I, oh yeah i love that i think that's amazing well you know what's funny it's 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 crazy because it's the exact same thing in a, almost in a, in a similar way with garden state i loved the garden state soundtrack before i saw the movie and i was like well now i kind of want to hear how these songs fit with the movie right it was the, it's funny it's it, granted it's a musical but it's the same thing with like hamilton like I liked the the sound the songs from Hamilton that I was like I guess I'll watch it you know what I mean like but that's that's really what it is it's like usually it is that where the movie inspires the music or the movie pushes the music or you start to hear things um, that like, like oh I get where that reference came from or I understand that uh, and and really it's it's so beautiful when just art as a whole spreads right it's like it's like taking a, a, a like a little dropper of ink and dropping it onto a page and watching it splatter and then move around. It's like, to some people that's like, okay, it's just an ink block. It's like to other people, it's like, no, it's the representation of just how crazy art can be. Um, and that's awesome, man. And like movies and music and coincide books, um, poetry, like shit, video games, short films, short stories, all these things, like they go hand in hand because I think they're just synonymous in a way that, at the end of the day, you just want to feel something as a human being, you want to feel something. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like, that's the beautiful thing about certain movies. And like you said, you nailed it right in the head. It doesn't have to be a think piece, right? Like it can just be Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, right? Like it can just be something quirky and funny. It could be super bad where it's like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Um, doesn't all have to be arrival it doesn't all have to be interstellar right um these things like that but it doesn't make one film less impactful to somebody else than something else you know what i mean that's the beauty of being a person that's why i love doing this too because not only are you telling me that like this movie that maybe i hadn't seen or maybe i had a different opinion on you're telling me it's your favorite movie and i'm sitting here having a conversation and you're actually swaying my opinion you're actually swaying i'm gonna go look back at it through your eyes and I'm going to see, oh, okay, I missed this before. Okay, I like this better now. I like this differently now. And it's something I run into quite a bit because I love old movies. And I'll run into people and we'll have conversations about movies. And they're like, oh, I, I, I can't get into it. That's in that, blah, blah, blah. And then I've had other times where I've talked with people and they're like, you know, I went home because I listened to you talking about this movie and I watched it. And I really like it. Like, I see what you're saying. You know, and um, like Cary Grant movies are a great example. I know I always use Cary Grant, but, you know, it's your boy. <laughs> he could say the dumbest line, and it's the coolest sounding thing on the fucking planet because he said it so well. 
And it makes you detract from the fact that no matter what scene he's in, you, he has no idea what he's doing with his hands. Like, his hands are always in weird positions. But he says things so cool that nobody cares about that. <laughs> right, right. They're like, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with my hands like, right now. Like, you know, he's like, straight up Talladega Nights all the time. Like, he'll be sitting there. All the he'll time. Be sit, or, like, you ever watch where he goes to kiss somebody first? He, like, grabs their face and he's just, like, touching their heads and, like, move. Oh, it's yeah. the most awkward part of his acting, but you overlook it because he's Cary Grant. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, he's such a great character. It does, like, who gives a shit of what he's doing? It's also, like, the time, you know? Yeah. Like the era and things like that, and uh, we didn't have it all figured out back then yet. Exactly, but again, like I love that we were able to talk about this. I love that um, you were able to really kind of you. Vo- I have to say, it's just one of the more fun conversations I've had. Not to say that I'm like in the last conversation I had, but you 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 really went more into what it meant to you than just the movie, and right. that's something a little bit different than some other people have done on the podcast before. I love all of my guests the same, but that's a little bit different because um, that isn't what I expected and not to say like from you, but like usually it's just like, usually I get people come on, we talk about the movie. It's a great movie. Go watch the movie, which is right. great. But when the, we get these like nuggets that come out, like when I had Pat Fox and from Millington on, and he was telling me about how him and his brother used to sit home and make movies, home movies of older movies. Or like when I had, um, uh, Ryan on and he was telling me about how he, he subliminally is realizing that some of his songs are more influenced by American graffiti than he thought they were. Or, Right. You know, the most common one I get is like my mom showed in this movie when I when I watched this, you know, Zach Zach Kiley, uh Zach excuse me, Zach Kelly Keeley, a poeta and uh Henry from Keep Flying both said the same thing. It makes me think of my mother. And it, those are the things that I really love to hear. Well it's it's like it's like you when you had um Shane on and you guys were talking about Forrest Gump, right? Like he was talking about how he uses it in his in his history class yeah. as a reference for what people were going through in the time, even though it's not historically accurate, it's almost like he's using it as a teaching method. Like he's passing it on to other generations of people who might never see the movie because it's old. Right. Or like, you know what I mean? But it's the, the impact of film and the impact of, of um, music in general is so profound to each individual person. Like there are people who will hear a song and be like, that is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. And it doesn't have to be that for anybody else because it's that for me. It's the same thing with movies, man. Um, you know, there's there's some movies out there that people consider to be some of the greatest films of all time. I don't get it. And that's fine. That's yours. Take that. Yep. And make it yours and hold it and covet it, man. So, like, I don't know. I just – things should be emotional in a way because we're just emotional creatures. Yeah. It's funny, too, because you look at something like The French Connection is a great example of this. It's considered one of the 100 greatest movies of all time. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. Do I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time? Absolutely not. I think Popeye Doyle is a cool character. I think Gene Hackman did a great job. You know, obviously, you know, I got Jaws shoes on, so, you know, I'm really happy about that. But, you know... do I think it's a, one of the 100 greatest movies of all time now? But no. if you were to ask me what I think the 100 greatest movies are all time, somebody else might not agree with that. And that's the joy of movies. That's the joy of music. You know, I could love this band, say they're the greatest band ever, and you could love another band, and we could hate the bands that we're saying are our favorite band ever. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it. It's ours. At the end of the day, it's ours. It's what makes us an individual as a whole. Like, we're all part of the same music scene. Like, you know, everybody to a degree is very cookie cutter, right? The fashion today is the same. 
and the music we're all playing is in the same vein, right? But we're still super individualistic people. We still have our own thoughts and our own loves and our own joys, right? And that's what makes these connections so important and so great. Like, like I've known you for a lot of years now, right? And like, we've had some in-depth conversations and we've had some stupid, goofy conversations. We've talked about beer before. We've talked, like, we've had these great connections and that's what's so beautiful about it. In the end is, is you're not grasping for similarities. You're just grasping for commonalities, right? Like I don't have to have a similar taste in music and film as you, but we have a similar, a, a very common appreciation and love for what it does for us. And that's what you gravitate to. And that's, it's just awesome, man. I love this. And I love that you're doing this too. I, I couldn't have said it better, man. Uh, I mean, that's, that's perfect. And thank you so much. It means a lot, you know, to hear that you're liking what I'm doing here and everything, because like I said before, like I, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet so many people over the years through music. I've been so fortunate to have so many people on here that I've been friends with, that I've played shows with that I'm still friends with and to get to talk to them about something a little bit different in, you know, whether it be an in-depth conversation about just a movie or be about beer or something like you said, those, those are the things that make me want to keep doing stuff like this because not only am I getting to have another conversation with you that we might not have had before, I'm also getting to share it with the world and just to let people meet all of these people that I think are amazing humans. And I think that their music is all amazing. Everybody's been on. I love all of their bands. I love all of them. And to have them on and to have a conversation where you learn a little bit more about them, like that's a plus for me. So that yeah. I'm glad you came on. I'm glad we talked about Eternal Sunshine. I'm glad for we, sure. I'm glad we got to connect in this way. So, yeah. How about you take these last few moments here to um, give me a give me a breakdown on anything new or any shows, any music, whatever's coming up for Ghost Chant over the next few months? Sure. Um, so we uh, we're taking a little bit of time off for the rest of the year because um, we're going to start focusing on writing a full length. Um, we haven't done one yet. We've done a lot of singles and a bunch of EPs and stuff like that, um, but we said, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to do a full length. We're going to commit to it. Um, we, we put out I Know Everything last month in May. Um, we did that tour. I, I know Mike's episode came out in April. He talked about it. That tour is done. It was great. It was dope. Um, we have one show uh, coming up uh, in August up in Albany at Empire um, with Adhara. They're friends of ours. They're, they're haven't put out new music in a long time. They're putting out a record. And it's going to be awesome. We're playing with them and um, this band Okar that we've known. They're like little brothers to ours. Um, and uh, it, it's just going to be a great time. Uh, but we're kind of taking the time now to just continue writing. Um, we have two songs that we haven't released yet um, that we're really excited about uh, that we, we recorded with Adam Chowski um, down in at Timber Studios in Bayonne, New Jersey. Um, and then besides that, uh, it, it's really just kind of getting uh, our, our like mental together to write because um, we have a, a good amount of demos, but we really want to be super selective and hard pressed on this. And like we all have our own individual things going on in our lives that are going to kind of influence this. And it's going to be great. It's definitely going to be some of the more. Um, so the, the future stuff is actually going to be probably the first time I've really written about myself. Um, and like my situation, um, I know everything is very about it. It was written during the, that whole thing. And um, it's, it's very much about that situation. Moving forward, I think I'm going to do 
things a little bit differently writing style wise. And I'm really going to focus a lot on the message and less about the lyrics. So that's really it. Like that's outside of that. Mike's got jealous mind. He's got wasn't when, so he's doing his thing right now. Uh, and everybody else is just kind of getting into writing mode. And that's, that's where we are. It just, we want to put out the, the best shit we can put out for everybody. And ultimately like we want to love what we're doing. Um, and but really we want other people to, to gravitate towards it as well. We hope they do. I love that. I love everything you guys are doing. I, I've been a huge supporter of you guys since day one. Um, the, the fact that you're not on board dead fest, I will be the first one to say that I am championing for it. I am here to say <laughs> that ghost chance to be on born dead fest. <laughs> No, so it, it's it's we were we were considered for it. Um, that we we were considered for it. Uh, the we the Ad show is two weeks before it at the same venue, um, and we were given the option. And you know the guys in Ad Hara had specifically asked us to play, and they're our boys. So the fest would be great, but you stick with the homies. So for anybody listening, you just learned two very good lessons: stick with the homies because he's one hundred percent right there, and number two. Don't play the same venue two close together because you only hurt yourself. Yeah, you make it really hard to get people to want to see you twice in two weeks. <laughs> Dan, I'm so happy you came on. I'm so happy we get to catch up like this and talk about talk about Eternal Sunshine. No, I, I appreciate you so much for having me, dude. It's, I, I love these little get-togethers, these conversations, whenever we get to have them. So the fact that you wanted to have me come on and accepted my incessant messaging of, hey, man, I want to do this with you. <laughs> I, I wanted you 100%. I just didn't want to put you too close to Mike. <laughs> no, so I was... dude, I get it. It's totally cool. But no, man, I really do. I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, and getting to chit-chat and kind of talk about more than just film and stuff like that but to talk about life in a way and that's that's a it's a great way to be able to talk about things 100 percent, man so i hope you enjoy the rest of your night and uh i hopefully get together soon for sure brother i appreciate it thanks